study of the letter to the church at Sardis, and we are going to sing the song that has to do with the letter of Sardis. And it is so nice to have Joe and Sarah McRoberts to play with us as we sing. an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who overcomes will walk with me and be dressed in white. I will never blot out their name from the book. who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of, of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard, hold on to it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Todd Chobitar 
being willing to adapt, you know, our schedule got a little thrown off, and it threw off on the weeks that uh, he was going to be able to be here and participate, but he wanted to do it so much that uh, he came in on another Sabbath, even though he was going to be gone this day when we finally got to this topic and uh, went ahead and recorded it so that he could still be a part of it. So we appreciate him doing that. And appreciate the McRoberts for coming out and adding another touch of class to what is an awesome song and uh, an awesome part of this experience. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray now for your spirit. Have we been drowsy? Have we fallen asleep? Lord, if, if we need a wake-up call, then give us the ears that will hear it today. In Jesus' name, amen. I love cake. I always have, ever since I was a child. Chocolate cake is my favorite. But a good butter recipe yellow suits me as well, as long as the frosting is chocolate. Now, there was one thing that happened to me as a child that shocked me. I didn't see this coming, but it it happened nonetheless. I was shocked to learn that I actually like carrot cake. I did not anticipate that based on the name. Carrot cake just didn't make sense to my young mind. But I did like it. But mostly, I like my cake simple. Not a lot of nuts, not a lot of raisins, not any pineapple, or whatever else misguided people try to sneak into cake. And don't even get near me with fruit cake. I love cake. But when I say cake, I have something very specific in mind. A truth that resulted in a disappointing experience for Alicia early on in our marriage. See, it was my birthday, and she was a good wife and wanted to do something special for me and labored long and hard to make an amazing cake from scratch with fresh strawberries, and I don't even know what else was in there. And she meant for the effort and the specialness to be a clear indication of her love for me. And unfortunately, when the great work was unveiled, let's just say my response was underwhelming. You see, it just wasn't the kind of cake I had in mind. I was thinking simple chocolate cake from a mix with simple chocolate frosting. Now, it seemed to me, in my early marriage folly, that she had wasted an awful lot of effort to make something that I didn't even like all that well. For the record, we've both gotten better at this marriage thing. I'm a lot smarter than I used to be. And I'm able to be affirming, even when things don't go the way I expected. And Alicia has learned better what I'm expecting Now, we could, of course, at this point, 
easily turn this to a message about marriage and the lessons we could learn, but that's not where we're going today. If you pick up anything here, then that's just extra. I give Alicia a lot of credit. She was truly trying to not just do good enough. She was trying to deliver great. And in this way, her behaviors are actually the opposite of the church in Sardis. If I were to compare the church in Sardis to a cake maker, I don't think I would call Sardis the place where they work too hard making the wrong cake. But instead, maybe the place where they bake the cake but never bothered to frost it. Or maybe the place where they mixed up the ingredients but then lost interest and never bothered to put it in the oven. Or maybe the place that they got distracted while mixing the ingredients and left something very important out, like the eggs or the baking powder or, or maybe the oil. I want to talk to you today about Sardis, the place that promises cake but somehow doesn't quite deliver. Are you living in Sardis? Revelation chapter 3, verse 1 To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I remember when I was a child, my mom would every now and then pick up what we used to call a store-bought cake. Now today, you can get some pretty tasty cakes at the store, like the ones Pastor Evan gets to celebrate the birthdays with the choir. That one's pretty good, and I know that because what they don't eat gets left over in the office, and we get to eat it later on, so we like it when the choir celebrates birthdays. But back then, when I was young, way back in the olden days, it was my opinion that store-bought cakes were awful. They looked good. In fact, sometimes they even looked better than the ones we made at home. And if all you wanted was to look at your cake, then they were perfect. But if you actually wanted to eat it, they were terrible. They looked delicious, but in truth they were awful. You see, this is the situation in Sardis. Verse 2, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. It's a most interesting message, this message to Sardis. For unlike so many of the other churches, the sin of Sardis does not so much seem to be a, a high-handed sin of commission as much as it seems to be a careless sin of omission. You see, we don't get any colorful language. There's no Jezebel. There's no Balaam. We get no mention of the Nicolaitans or the synagogue of Satan. None of that comes into this one. You just get this. You look like you're alive, but you aren't. Instead, you've dozed off as it were, in your spiritual life and just sort of stop doing those things that someone is alive does. 
I don't get the sense with Sardis that there's a whole lot of evil intent or a whole lot of intentional wrongdoing, though based on what we'll read later, I think wrongdoing has crept in. Instead, it seems more like what was once something very special is now just a shell, like a sleeping beauty in need of a kiss of life. Are you living in Sardis? Verse 3, Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. It's interesting to notice the elements of the prescription for Sardis. The first thing is that they are to remember what they have received and heard. The problem in Sardis is not that they haven't heard the right things. They've heard it. They've received it. And apparently they've even done it somewhat, or at least for a while. But they need to now remember what they received and heard. And they need to hold it fast. And they need to repent There is here a need of repentance, but from what do they need to repent? It seems that primarily what they need to repent of is forgetting and letting go. To repent of falling asleep in the church long before the work of the church was done. And what will happen to them if they don't wake up soon? Well, it seems that those who sleep are in for a rude awakening someday soon. For Jesus says, he will come to them as a thief and catch them unexpecting, catch them off guard. Now, it seems not everybody in Sardis is asleep. Verse 4, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Make no mistake here. God always has his faithful people in every church, in every place, everywhere, even in a place like Sardis. Now, I think you and I know those faithful people can be a bit annoying sometimes, to the rest of us sleepers because aren't they always banging around the kitchen making cake after cake after cake? Come on, give it a rest. Trying to get some sleep here. It is interesting to me that the ones described as awake are described as not having soiled their clothes. What this suggests to me from a spiritual standpoint is that being asleep does not always imply total inactivity. But what it also suggests is that the activity of those who sleep isn't always what it should be. Sometimes the cake looks good, but the cake tastes awful. 
So while it does seem the cure for Sardis is to awaken and get back to work, to the work they were doing at first, it also seems there needs to be a reformation among the sleepers, a laying aside of some of the things that they have begun to do in the midst of their spiritual slumbering. Are you living in Sardis? So what has happened to Sardis? What's going on there? And can it happen here? There's another passage found ironically in the book of, Eph- of Ephesians. I say that because there is a letter to the church of Ephesus that's different than this one, but yet I think found in Paul's letter to the Ephesians is a description that very well describes what happens to a church when it falls asleep, when it leaves its calling unfinished, and when it begins to soil its clothes. It's found in Ephesians chapter 5. And first is a short description of what an awake church does, and then comes what happens to a sleeping church. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. This is what an awake church looks like. Following God, follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So what does an awake church do? It follows after God's example as dearly loved children. It walks in the way of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be dressed in white while you live in Sardis. But what are the sleepers up to? What do soiled garments look like? Ephesians 5, verse 3. But among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. These are the things that soil the garments. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. It comes like a thief to those who sleep. Therefore, do not be partners with them. You see, the sleepers have wandered into the dark. But this is not who we are in Christ. Verse 8, for you were once darkness... But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention 
what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. What is it that is truly missing in Sardis? What is it that has caused the people to go to sleep? We've mentioned that with each church, the description of Jesus tells the solution that the people need. So how does Jesus come to Sardis? Well, we go back to verse 1 of Revelation chapter 3. These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. It's light that wakes us up when we're sleeping. And it is the spirit that gives us life when we're dead. And the Jesus who comes to Sardis brings both. He brings the light of the seven stars to the sleeping church. And he brings the seven spirits of God to those who are dead. He brings the fullness of the Spirit of God, the life-giving presence of the Holy Spirit. Seems the cake makers in Sardis left the oil out of the recipe, didn't they? This is the great need of the sleepers. The great light of truth for living and the power of the Holy Spirit. How does the church become Sardis? How does it fall asleep? Well, it loses sight of the great truths for living and it loses the power of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of the people. Once again, Paul from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live. Are you living in Sardis? This is a warning for you. A wake-up call. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. You know, one of the reasons we encourage you to participate in small groups to get together during the week is so that this isn't the only spiritual experience you have. Because it's one thing to hear me say things, but it is so much more reinforcing to your own life when you go home and say those things to each other. 
Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Are you living in Sardis? Do you need to wake up? You see, it's the light from the Father that wakes us up like the brightening skies of morning that will draw us from our slumber. And it is the quickening of the Spirit of God that will make us alive. And we together stay awake through thanksgiving to God and praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do this by joining together to hear the Word of God and to sing psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Are you living in Sardis? Do you need to wake up? There's a distant voice
Do you find yourself asleep in Sardis when all around you the world is hastening towards the coming of the Lord? Are you so comfortable that you forgot the mission? If you find yourself today sleeping in Sardis, there is good news. It's not too late. Here is the promise for you. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. You see, Jesus longs to acknowledge all of you as his own and to write your name forever in his book and to clothe you in unsoiled garments of righteousness and praise. You won't just be cake that looks good. You will be cake that tastes good, too. But in order for him to do this, you're going to have to wake up and answer his call. But you know what? For that, you're going to need ears. That is why it says, whoever has ears... Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What will it mean to wake up? To repent? Has anything crept into your life while you've been sleeping? What will it mean to be engaged in God's purpose for his people? What will it mean today to go out and live the gospel in this generation? Are you sleeping in Sardis? The true followers of Jesus go forth with love and mercy and kindness filled with good deeds. Can you go out this week and show love? Wake up, sleepers. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray that our ears will hear. We pray that the Spirit's message to Sardis will wake us up. We pray that we will be faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.